Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to church, everybody. We are so glad you're here. We're in a series called We Are the Church, and we're just thinking about the fact that that the church isn't really a building. The church is people. We are the church, and what our role is as individuals in the church, and what our role is as a church, um, what a, what's our responsibility to the rest of the world? And we believe that the church doesn't exist just for church people, but that the church exists to make a difference in the world, the neighborhoods, the communities around us, and the people around us. Uh, the trouble is, though, that the longer that people are believers, um, the stronger the gravitational pull towards making church about ourselves, church people, right? And then, just within us as human beings, there is always a pull towards lesser things, towards things that seem important in the moment, but in the long run aren't as important as we like to make them. So today, I want to talk about investment. Like investments, when you think about investment, investments are about stability, about longevity, about uh, legacy and uh, stability. And, and when you think about the word investment, what, what do you think? What comes to mind when you think about it, right? Stocks, like portfolios, real estate, bank accounts, checking accounts, retirement accounts. Uh, we think about things that we're gonna put value into now um, so that someday we get a return on the investments that we're making. But as we've seen, come on, if you've lived a little bit, you know most of the investments that we kind of put our hopes and trust in are often fickle and unstable depending on conditions. Investment, right? It's such an important word for us in life, just in terms of practicality and planning for the future, but also in terms of our faith. And I want to show you today that with God's help, with God's grace, that you and I can be invested in the work that God has for us through his local church, through the church, to make a difference here in our neighborhoods, our community, and all over the world. Come on, say it with me. I'm invested. I'm invested. Now, here's the truth, though, right? Not all of us are invested in the purposes of God. That's for sure. But all of us are invested in something. That's also for sure. There's something that you're passionate about that gets you fired up, that gets you up in the morning. Uh, there's something that we love, that we're passionate about. Maybe for you it's a sports team. Like for me this week, uh, the Texas Rangers won the World Series finally. Like my whole life I've been waiting for this. Finally they win, right? So if, you're, if, if it's your team, you've got maybe season tickets, you've got merch, you've got jerseys, right? Like right now, hunting season is starting in, rifle season at least, is starting here in South Texas. <clears throat> and if you're a hunter, I promise you, you're invested in that, right? It's expensive to hunt in Texas. And, and, and you're not just invested with money. Like I used to do this. I come up in a tree uh, in some blind or whatever at five in the morning before daylight. It's 25, it's 30. And I'd sit there freezing because I'd never invested in the right kind of cold weather gear. And I'd be sitting there shivering, miserable, um, waiting to shoot some poor innocent beast, right? Come on. But then they're delicious. Anyways, um, sorry, sorry, PETA, uh, right? But, but when it was done and, and you're headed home, right? You're dreaming about coming back the next week, right? You're invested, that's just how it is. Your heart follows your investments. Your attention follows your investment. Your emotions 
follow your investment. Th those of you who've ever bought a new car, traded in an old junker to get the new car, right? When, when, when you had the old junker, it was like kids eat, you know, their big gulp in the front seat, throw your french fries in the back till they're petrified wood. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You find one of those things later, it's like a fossil, it's like a, it's like a relic, right? But, but you get in the new car, what's happening now? It's like, if you even breathe weird in this car, I'll put you out on the side of the road. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I remember going to this older couple's house in Mississippi when I was living there, working there. I went to check on them, just to, you know, just to make sure they were doing all right. And I came in their house, I'd never been there before, I came in their house and all of their furniture was wrapped in plastic, in like saran wrap looking, heavy duty saran wrap, no, no joke. It, it was old furniture, but it looked brand new because 15 years ago when they bought it, they were like, ain't nobody sitting in this. Can't nobody sit in this, right? I will cut you, grandchild, if you sit in this, this sofa. Come on, raise your hands if at home you have a piece of furniture like that. Like we, it's just to look at, right? Come on, everybody has one of these, right? But, but here's the issue with our investments, and, and I'm guilty as well. We tend to invest in things um, that don't last, in things that ultimately don't stand the test of time at all. Um, there are things that we have to invest in, homes, cars, things, right? But they don't last. They don't, they don't stand the test of time. When, when our lives are over, none of them matter much then because we don't get to take any of them with us. So Jesus, knowing this propensity of ours, would come along and teach about this idea of investment, uh, investment over and over again. He, he'd illustrate it in different ways in the Gospels, using different scenarios, but the idea was always, don't just invest in things in the here and the now, the things that won't last. Instead, he, he, here's his word, store up treasures in heaven. Invest in things that will outlast you, that will outlast me. So, so I'm gonna show you one of the verses where he does this. This is Matthew chapter six, verse 19. He says, do not store up treasures, or store for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. Come on, that's just in your attic. Right? And then where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves, both, both times he uses for yourselves, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Like, don't store up for yourselves don't hoard for yourselves down here on this earth what you have. Don't only invest in things that won't last and don't really matter in the long run. And I think if I could summarize what Jesus is saying is that we are meant to uh, pour instead of store. And, and what I mean is that God has created, if you're a follower of Jesus, and I know that everybody is, but if you are, God has created you to be a conduit of blessing rather than a container of blessing. So then as the blessings come down in my life, James chapter 1, uh, 17 says that every good gift, every perfect gift comes from above from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, right? So as the blessings come down, I don't just take, let them come to me, I let them pass through me. <clears throat> Grace flows down in various ways and grace flows out of us in various ways. First Peter 4.10 says, let each one of us use whatever gift he has received to serve others 
faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms, right? So, so when I let the grace of God flow through me, I am storing up treasures in heaven. By pouring here on earth, I am storing in heaven. And whereas my earthly investments are unstable, unreliable, Jesus says they can be destroyed, they can be stolen, they can be eaten, right? My heavenly blessings cannot be taken away from me. They're eternal. So, so the mindset is if I'm going to put Jesus first in my life, right? Seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew chapter 6. It's going to involve pouring, not just storing. From the time of Abraham in the book of Genesis, God has called us to be conduits of blessing, to pour, not just store. So I've read this even recently here. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Through you. Come on, say that with me. Through you, right? Now God says, go. And let's be clear what he's asking Abraham to do. Go. And you don't have all the information that you need to go. You don't even know the destination. You aren't sure how you're going to get there. You're not going to sure what you're going to do when you get there. But go anyway. And what God is inviting Abram into is an act of faith and trust. I don't know where. I don't know how. I just know the why. And the why is God said. That's the why. God said. But please don't miss that. Go. Just trust me when you do. Let's be clear that all investments in heaven are going to be an act of faith and trust in God. Right? And God says to Abram, if you'll trust me, and you'll just get up, take your family, pack your stuff and go. I will make you. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And here's the result, Abraham. You will be a blessing. And I'm going to pour blessings down on you. And you're going to let them pass through you. And I'm going to bless the world around you. I'll bless you not just for you. I'll bless you to be a blessing to others. And so Abram trusted God and God continues to bless people through his singular act of faith all these years later. And Abraham becomes the father of our faith for that one act that he went. He did as God said. He sets the pace, the model for how to live a blessed life. We are blessed, but we're not blessed just for ourselves. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are created by God to store, I mean, rather to pour, not store. Now, now, the good news, I think, is that most people who would hear this would acknowledge that few things in life are more rewarding than knowing you used what you had uh, from your life to make a difference in someone else. Very few things are more rewarding than knowing you made a difference for somebody else. There is a there's a soul level satisfaction that comes from knowing I invested my time, my talent, my treasure, my income, my resources to help change someone else's life. There's a thrill in that. There's a deep satisfaction that really nothing else can match. There's an abiding sense of joy when you use what God has trusted to you to be a blessing to someone else. I think there are 12 people here today. 
who just came back from the Philippines, who would tell you, and I'm one of them, who would tell you that there's a deep satisfaction in knowing that 120 kids over near Angeles City in the Philippines are flourishing right now, flourishing right now, because, because they showed up, because we give, we share what we have, and we do what we do around here at LifePoint. I, I was thinking about this the other day. We, myself for sure included, we get infatuated with things, buying, getting, acquiring things. For me, it's knives. Come on, can I, can I just take the time to show you, come on, this beauty? Come on, somebody. Anyway, sorry about that. I got a little excited. Right, probably I shouldn't leave that there. It's not probably a good look. All right, anyways, um, I, I get excited about watches. Come on, everybody. Watches, boots. Come on, can I get a witness on a watch or a boot or a knife? Get anybody feeling me on this at all? Right? But, but you know what I was thinking was, I, I've been at a lot of bedsides in my role as a pastor uh, when people were about to breathe their last, last breaths. And in those, those, those days or those weeks before, I never heard anybody who was so emotional about their getting stories. Like, dude, I'm just going to get choked up thinking about that one time I bought this car. It was so sweet. You know, I, I, I went into deep debt to pull it, to get it. I couldn't afford it, but I pulled the trigger anyway. And they're, and they're weeping for joy, like best decision ever. I felt so much soul level satisfaction when I bought that thing. And I just needed to share that with you before I pass over to the other side. Now, I've never heard that story. But I have heard and I have seen in the lives of many elderly people, older people, including my own parents, who are 84 and 82, the, the joy of generosity stories. I've heard those stories. I've watched the investments my parents made for 80 plus years now under the kingdom of God right here in San Antonio, where they raised us and around the world to know they've helped build churches in Kenya in East Africa where I grew up and through the multiple churches around here in San Antonio through the last 50 or so years of their lives. When, when, when you look back over your life and you remember being part of a giving campaign that helped build a church like, like this one that we're in here or helped build an orphanage in some part of the world or built a, a water well in some obscure village where they were walking five miles a day to get clean water You've seen the life change that was brought about by that. It's something to remember. It's something that fills up the, the, the bucket, the soul level bucket, right? It's a story to pass on to children and grandchildren. Hey, I got to be part of that. And, and just for a moment, those of you who are in, that are in this room right now, would you look around you? Just, just take a look around, right? You're sitting in a building you made possible. You guys did this. I, I'm, I, I, this is probably a risky thing I'm about to do here, but I'm going to do it anyways. I, I was thinking today about Chris and Cynthia Hamill, about Scott and Wendy Dunlap, about Dr. Bill English, uh, Anthony Patsy Beto, Mark and Mary Garcia, Jamal and Jai Hasty, Fred and Rosemary Miller, Jet and Tina Lestria, and, 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 and I could just keep going. And the many people who've, who've moved with their jobs to other states that if they hadn't stepped up the way they did, when they did, we, we wouldn't be sitting here today. It wouldn't have been possible, right? Um, I, I think of the almost 1,000 people over the last almost four years that we've had this building who've, who've given their life to Jesus in this room. 
I think of, of the hundreds of people who've been baptized right here in this room. I think about all of the hundreds of people who've found freedom through our freedom uh, conferences here in this room. I think about all the students who've been discipled and, and equipped and the young adults who've been discipled and equipped here in this room. I think about all the people, people whose names come to my mind right now who I won't say whose marriages have been renewed and restored here in this room. I think about all the friendships that have been forged uh, at least as catalysts here in this room. I think about all the people, the hundreds of thousands of pounds of food that have been raised from this room to feed people in San Antonio because people had a poor mindset, like poor out mindset instead of a store mindset. I, I'm invested. Many of you are invested. And because we're invested, lives have been changed forever. Those of you who've, let, who've lived by the principle of the tithe, as you look back to the places in your life where you first started trusting God by bringing back to Him the thing that belongs to Him, that tenth of what God trusted you with, you've seen, you know, you've seen the amazing ways He's come through for you again and again all through your life. And that can get you emotional. When you see that, when you let the blessings pass through you, what God did for you because of that, you know what I'm saying is true. I'm invested in God's work and, and I know I've made an eternal difference by being invested in God's work in the lives of church kids and students and mission efforts all around the world. There's real joy in that. You realize that God created you to pour out blessings, not just store them. Um, just quickly now, there are, there are two kinds of mindsets when it comes to investment into, specifically into the purposes of God, right? There is an investment mindset and there is a scarcity mindset. Investment, scarcity. Two different kinds of mindsets that people will have naturally um, around investment in, the, in God's purposes. I've seen both at work in the lives of people that I know and love, right? I've seen the scarcity mindset, which says, I don't have enough to pour to share with other people, right? So we live then with this when, then attitude. When I get more, when I get enough, when I have enough, then I'll give something, right? I'll give more. When I get more, then I'll pour. A, a scarcity mindset though is fear-based, and it works through a filter, a mental filter called, but, but what if, right? But what if I don't have enough? But what if there's not enough? What if something bad happens? What if things change, right? See what I'm saying? And someone said, well, no, no, that's caution. And I understand that, right? That's, there's a need for wisdom, of course. But at its root, just be honest, it's a fear-based thing, right? It's a lack of trust in the provision of God that God will take care, that God will provide. And God responds to faith and to trust. That's what he responds to. Go read the Bible. That's what he responds to. What if Abram doesn't go? What if he does like his dad, Terah, uh, and just stays in Haran, right? Terah doesn't experience what Abram does. Abraham goes, God blesses him. Terah doesn't go, he just stays where he stopped. What if Abram stays, starts down the road of what if, if we go, what if we trust God? What if we leave and, and do what God said and God doesn't come through? God, Abram 
just goes. So, so Jesus speaks to this in Matthew's gospel in the famous story of the talents. If you remember it, I don't have time to read it all. But one guy, a master goes far away. He leaves his servants, one with five, one with two, one with one talent. A talent is like uh, a year's wages, right? Um, or maybe more, right? Um, it's a lot of money. Let's just say it that way. It's a lot of money. For the one who was given five talents, uh, let's just imagine five bags of gold, it had to be tempting to play it safe. He had more to lose, but he also had more to gain. It's, it's investment mindset. The Bible says he doubled his investment. But the servant who was given one, verse 24, Matthew 25, the servant given one talent said, Master, I know you had high standards and hate careless ways that you demand the best and make no allowances for error, right? I was, here's the word, I was afraid I might disappoint you. So I found a good, here's his, his words, a good hiding place, a safe place. And I secured your money. Here it is, exactly to the, the dime, right? Safe and sound down to the last cent. I was afraid. He has a scarcity mindset. I just wanted to play it safe. I played not to lose. But the parable of the talents is about having an investment mindset. Investing what you have, what God's given you, trusting God with the results. It's playing to win, not playing not to lose, right? Can, can you see the difference? So, so here's what Jesus goes on and says, verse 26, the master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least, right? The least you could have done would have been invest the sum at least with the bankers where you could have gotten a little interest for me. Take the thousand, take that one talent, give it to the one who had five, the one who risked the most, and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Now, these are some of the most brutal words in the entire Gospels. And they are said to a man who didn't, Check this out. He didn't lose his talent. He didn't commit some seemingly grievous sin. He just broke even, right? He, evidently, though, with God, breaking even isn't good enough. It's not an option, right? In, in the context of this parable, which Jesus calls wickedness, what this guy does, bearing, it, wickedness is burying your talent in the ground, playing it safe, it's not necessarily doing the wrong things. It's just that you didn't do the right thing either, right? The servant was called wicked because he was afraid that he might lose what he had. So rather than invest, he did nothing. Maybe he even reasoned, well, if you'd given me as much as you gave the other guys, I'd have done more with it. The problem is when you have a scarcity mindset, it's never enough. There's never going to be enough. No matter how much we have, we'll never see it as enough because we're consumed at the base level with fear. We're afraid, so we believe we need more. So we store, we keep for ourselves, we hoard, and then we find that we never have enough to pour. Scarcity mindset. But then there's the investment mindset that Jesus talks about in the same parable, where the root of that is, instead of fear, is trust. And it is fueled by a, a, a spirit of generosity, right? I, I live, one of my life verses, and the way that I try to lead this church is from Proverbs chapter 11. This is from the message. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. I love that. And the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Verse 25, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are themselves helped. I think this is 
100% true. I've seen it at work in my own life. Our God is a generous God and he opens his hands and he blesses those who bless others. And not only does our God give us enough, but our God gives us more than enough, more than we need so that we can be a blessing to others. This is not a scarcity mindset. mindset. This is a faith-filled, trusting, God-believing, God-honoring mindset that our God is a good God who generally blesses us, uh, generously blesses us rather, so we can be a blessing to other people. Our God created us to pour instead of store. Two quick stories from the Bible and I'm done here that illustrate this truth. John 12, there's an amazing story about a woman who lived a pretty dark life in her early life. But somewhere she encounters the grace of Jesus and from that day on, she lived with an investment abundance mindset. In the story, she walks into a room, um, but she walks into the home of a religious guy. She's a prostitute, or she had been. But she's seen Jesus interact with all sorts of people. And she, she knows that with Jesus, everyone's welcome. Nobody's perfect. And with Jesus, anything's possible. She's seen this at work in his life. So she walks straight into the house full of Pharisees, religious people, takes her most valuable possession, a jar full of very expensive perfume, valued at about a year's worth of wages. And because of who Jesus is, and because of the grace he he had extended to her, this woman did not store up what she had. Instead, she poured it out. She literally poured it out the most valuable possession on the feet of Jesus as a sacrificial act of worship. And she washed his feet with it and with her own tears. Now, you can almost imagine what she's thinking. If he's good enough to forgive me based on my life, my story, if he's powerful enough to provide for me, then whatever I have, I want to use it as an expression of worship to give to him. And so she doesn't store she pours. Now, these religious guys aren't happy at this turn of event, but neither is one of Jesus' own 12 followers, his disciples. His name is Judas, as we all know. Uh, Judas doesn't have an investment mindset. He has a scarcity mindset, which is mixed with a little bit of greed. He betrays Jesus later on, and do you know why he did it? For money. I, I need more. And so when this woman who was completely forgiven and transformed by Jesus had no other resource but this, this most valuable thing to give to him, Judas doesn't like it. And here's what John 12 says about this. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Which he doesn't really want to give to the poor. It was a year's worth of wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help, help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. What Jesus was saying is we don't have enough to worship Jesus like the woman is doing here. We don't have enough to be generous. And Jesus says, what this woman has done is a beautiful thing. And in another of the Gospels, Jesus says about the same story that wherever the Gospel is going to be preached, her story, this story will be told. Here we are in 2023 and we're still telling this woman's story. I'm invested. I'm created to pour, not store. I'm a blessing to be a blessing. Now, let me give you one last story as quickly as I can. I'm done here. It's found in Luke 9. It's called the story where Jesus fed the 5,000. Luke 9, verse 12. When the day began to wear away, so it's a long day, the 12 came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. 
And they said, uh, we have no more than these five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people, right? It's like, dude, are you serious right now? So Luke is actually kind of letting us in on how he's feeling. When the day began to wear away, in other words, Jesus has taught so long that the whole day's gone and, and, and his 12 disciples, the dream team, right, of volunteers that have come to him say, hey, send everybody away so they can get something to eat. And Jesus says, no, no, you're going to give them something to eat. <clears throat> and they're like, bro, do you, do you see how many people are here? This is maybe the largest crowd that you've ever taught in front of. And you want us to feed them out here in the middle of nowhere. And you probably know the story. They get a little boy's lunch. They bring it to Jesus. He blesses it. He feeds everyone there. And do you remember what happens at the end? There's 12 baskets left over. Because with Jesus, there's always more than enough. Come on, somebody. If you trust him and you bring him what you've got, there's always more than enough. And maybe there's 12 baskets left over because there's 12 disciples and he's wanting them to remember this. Boys, if you'll just trust me, I'm going to send you home with your own doggy back. Come on, get a witness from somebody, right? right? Notice the progression, though, with the food. Someone trusted Jesus with it. He blessed it. The disciples poured it. God multiplied it. Let me say that again. Somebody trusted Jesus with it. He blessed it. His disciples poured it. God multiplied it. Jesus blessed it. Disciples gave it. God multiplied it. That's how God works. You know what I love so much about this church? It's that for 15 years now, there have always been people with an investment mindset like this. We don't just build things for ourselves. We didn't build this building for ourselves. We built it to be a blessing to our city, to our community. We just raised $20,000 um, at, at the I Must Home 5K. Um, we were just in Manila last week. It cost around $40,000 to build a new dorm. They're building two new dorms right now for 24 boys in each dorm. Um, they'll be done in about a month. Together this year, you guys have given, I think it's around $75,000 by the end of the year to IMAs. Almost enough to build those, both of those two dorms for those 48 boys to have a home to live in that house. And it's going to be beautiful. E even this new space that we're dreaming about right now, um, that we're trying to build right now, is not about us. We've told you this already. We're going we're gonna to do incredible things with our students and our young adults and freedom conferences. And we're going to have marriage events in there. And we're going to do Financial Peace University for our community there. But that second floor, that second floor, that co-working space, that officing space, that kingdom activity hub is not about us. It's not even about us at all. Now, some of you may decide to come in an office out of there. That coffee shop over there, well, I'm sure we'll take advantage of it. But that's not about us at all. That's about this community. That's about being a service to our community so that if we disappeared from this community, this community would miss us, would know we were here. We made an impact here, right? It's about, it's about church planters. It's about kingdom activity. It's not about us. We're not building a building just for ourselves. We're building it to impact the world. You, you understand you were created to pour, not just store. And I'm so grateful. The principle is this. What you keep, that's all you're going to have. But what you give, God is going to multiply. You're created to pour, not to store, to be a funnel of blessings. And as you're generous with others, God will often restore that provision and even multiply what you gave. I'm invested. I wish you'd say it with me. Come on, say it with me. I'm invested right, in God's work. When God calls us to be generous, listen to me, generosity is not an act. It's a posture of the heart. It's a mindset. Generous people are always looking. 
getting creative with what they have. Generous people realize that what I have is not just for me and mine. This isn't just for me to store up. This is meant for me to pour some of this back out. Generous people realize it's a joy to make a difference in the lives of those. That's a mindset. My parents put this in me when I was a kid. I watched my parents my entire lives live with this investment mindset. I watched them sell everything they had, move our family when I was a little kid to Kenya and East Africa, right? We're gonna invest not just our resources in God's work, kids. We're gonna invest our entire lives in God's work. And we moved there to bring the gospel uh, in, in Kenya. We lived there. My parents taught in a college. We traveled all over the country, lived, stayed in huts, ate weird food. Come on. Some but it was awesome. I, I saw my parents tithe from a little kid. When I'd make a dollar in an allowance, I, I, I'm old, y'all. A dollar was a lot back in those days. My mom would give it to me in dimes. She was dropping, come on, she was dropping dimes before it was cool. And she'd help me put one of those dimes in a little ugly little envelope, this little yellow envelope we had at our church back in the day. I didn't understand it then. But as I got older, I saw the tithe begin to work in my family's life, my own family, not just my family of origin, but my, my, fam my now family. And I started seeing it work in my own life as a teenager. The tithe is when we return a portion, a tenth of what God trusts back to him through an act of worship. We worship God with the tithe through the local church. And the local church meets the spiritual and physical needs of people here and around the world. Now, for some of us, the first time we heard that, we're like, that's crazy. How does that even work? No way I can do that. I'd have to rearrange my life. That would take faith. Yep, just like Abraham. Every investment in heaven is gonna take an act of faith and trust. And that's why it works, and that's how it works. Listen, I'm invested. The Rivers family, we are invested. We are invested in this church. We are, in, we are going to invest significantly to make certain that we can build that next space. And, and there's never been a time in my life where we regretted the decision to go all in with God. And I'll tell you one last truth. There is no return on investment like the returns we get from investing in the work of God because no other investment, listen, no other investment has eternal rewards, treasures stored up in heaven. So next weekend, November the 12th, um, is our make room offering date. And what we'd love for you to do, and this is the only ask that I have, is that you would pray, what does God want my family to do? And we're not asking everybody to give the same amount. Nobody can do that, right? Some of you can give a lot more. Some of you can give whatever you can give. The, the goal, though, is that if you're a life pointer, if this is home, there's 100% participation. We're not going to cajole. We're not going to manipulate. We're just going to tell you, we got something to do. There's something God's calling us up to. And let's all work together to make it happen. I'm invested. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.